Welcome to the York Story Slam podcast, where we feature select stories from our monthly open mic storytelling events in York, Pennsylvania. On November 17th, the 11 winners from our monthly open mic story slams return to compete for the title of Best Storyteller in York. We gathered virtually this year to hear stories recorded at the beautiful Appel Center in downtown York, where our storytellers took the stage in a socially distanced but festive environment. The theme for the evening was gifts. We heard stories of several memorable birthday celebrations, moments with loved ones, and the lessons we can learn from ants. Rachel Polly Polly won with her story of coming to terms with a gift she didn't ask for. Here's Rachel. So I've never been a really big fan of the white elephant Christmas gift exchange. You always end up with a really shitty gift or something that you got last year, like why do I have three quesadilla makers in my basement? It's because I keep choosing to participate in this stupid gift exchange. And uh, so last year I decided that I didn't want to be part of a, a reality where I got a gift that I didn't ask for. And on February 22nd, 2019, I attempted to take my own life. And that was a really big thing for me. Um, I grew up in a family of four, and my brother was always the one who had depression, and he was always the bad kid. And one night, I was sitting at the dinner table by myself, and I couldn't eat. And so I put down my fork, and I walked over to the medicine cabinet, and I looked at everything that was available, and I was like... I'm too tired to try to figure out how many Advil it would take to put me in the deep sleep, in the big sleep. And so I said, you know what, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. I'm going to return this gift that I didn't ask for. I made it 22 years this far, and I don't have the receipt, but I'm going to return the gift, and I'm going to follow through. So I walked upstairs My mom had went to take a shower, my brother had moved out, and my dad was on his 13th hour of working an hour away. So I said, this is great, this is perfect. I'm completely in my element. I'm at home, it's quiet. And I sat on the foot of my bed and I just remember my head was so full of noise that all I could think was that I would want it to be quiet for one second. I just want it to be quiet. And I reached into my dresser and I pulled out a belt. I used it for work. I'm wearing it now. I know I'm not supposed to have a prop, but I brought it along with me. And I tied it around my neck and I pulled that thing really hard. And I just hoped that I wasn't gonna let go. And in the pit of my stomach, I felt that I was gonna get sick. And I have a white carpet in my bedroom. And in that moment, I thought about my mom walking in to my bedroom and not only finding her daughter dead on the ground, but having to clean up the vomit and take the carpet remover and scrub. And I wasn't sure which one she was gonna pick first. Would she pick me up and put me on the bed or was she gonna clean the carpet first? I couldn't decide. But all I knew then was that shit, 
I made the wrong choice. I didn't want to follow through, and thank God I chickened out. And I checked myself into a rehab facility, and I stayed there for about 11 days, and it was the best 11 days of my life. I had no phone. My boyfriend at the time had no idea where I went. Um, I showed up with like four pairs of jeans and they checked all of my shampoo, conditioner, and makeup products. And if it had alcohol within the first three ingredients, they took it away and you had to sign it out. I did my very first and hopefully last squat and cough. It was horrible, I hated it, it's degrading. And after I got out, I, I realized that this life that I've been given, this gift to walk, to breathe, to speak, to share, to write, to run, to love and be loved and to have my heart broken and to break hearts is something that I never wanted to return. And from that day, I have been loved, I have loved, I've had my heart broken, and I will continue to have my heart broken. And that is all part of the gift that I didn't ask for. And as I grow up, as I move forward, and I consider having children of my own, I also have to consider, is this a gift that I am willing to continue to give? Is this a story that I am willing to share again? To choose to take your own life is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And to continue to live my life and let it be whatever I want it to be, to change the story is something that I look forward to every day. Thank you. Rachel took home the trophy and bragging rights as the best storyteller in York. Next up, we have a story from Brad Jennings, who shared his story of attending a Phillies game for his daughter's fourth birthday. So when I lived in New York, I used to go to a lot of Phillies games. And um, so when my daughter, Jovi, turned four, as a birthday gift, I got tickets for our family to go to a game. Great seats for a Saturday afternoon in May. But on the day of the game, it was pouring rain in New York. And the forecast was for pouring rain all day in Pennsylvania. But the Phillies didn't postpone the game. In fact, they tweeted that it was definitely still on. So my wife Sue and I were deliberating, like, what are we going to do? Are we going to drive three hours in the pouring rain and traffic just to have the game be postponed so we can drive three hours in the pouring rain and traffic with disappointed kids? Or do we disappoint them now, stay in, and risk you know, we'll have to eat the tickets and risk that the game gets played and the Phillies seem to think that it will be. So we're like, well, let's just go. So we grab our raincoats, we grab our kids, we go out to the car where we immediately slam Jovi's fingers in the car door. Urgh. So we scoop her up, screams, tears, mangled fingers and all. And they were mangled, like dented, purple, ugly. We hold her close, we ice her fingers, and after about a half hour, she's calmed down, and she's like, does this mean we can't go to the baseball game? And my wife and I do like a silent deliberation, like what are we gonna, you know, do we cut bait now? Uh, do we go back out into the monsoon? And, and Jovi goes, please, can we still go? So we went. Three hours through the pouring rain and traffic. 
And since we got a late start, the game had started while we were still on the road, and it did start. And when we got to the uh, parking lot at the stadium, uh, sure enough, it wasn't raining there. Um, and it was like the third inning, so we got the kids out of the car, we start walking to the stadium, and it starts to rain. Perfect. So I pick up our older daughter, Lily, Sue picks up Jovi, and we start like fast walking to the stadium to get in undercover. Sue doesn't notice a curb stop in the parking lot, and she trips and falls hard. And breaking her fall was Jovi, who slammed her head into the pavement. Ugh. We scooped her up, screams, tears, mangled fingers, bruised skull and all, and we held her close, and then another, like, deliberation, like, what are we going to do? Back to the car? Do we need an ambulance? Do we just go inside and figure it out there? So that's what we did. So we went inside, and as soon as we got in, they stopped the game for the rain delay. All we could do at that point, we got ice cream for the girls. So they're eating their ice cream. We're watching, like, water puddle up on this field. And before they were even finished with the ice cream came the announcement. The game was postponed. Back to the car, back into the rain, back into traffic. And on the drive home, it rained harder than it had all day. And I said to Sue, this, has, this was supposed to be Jovi's birthday gift. This has been like the worst day of her life. I am not going back home without something fun to show for it. So we stopped in Lancaster at a restaurant for dinner that, that she liked. When we got in the lobby, it was packed. And they told us it was going to be an hour wait. And then just then, we heard a familiar sound. Jovi's blood-curdling scream. A customer had opened the door of the restaurant to leave. Jovi stuck her fingers in between the door and the door jam. That heavy door went shut, smashed her fingers again. The same fingers. Sue scooped her up, screams, tears, bruised skull, remangled fingers and all. I grabbed my head, looked a perfect stranger in the face and screamed, it happened again! <laughs> Quick side note, if your kid ever smashes their fingers in the door such that they scream bloody murder in a crowded lobby of a restaurant, they will seat you immediately. You will still not get your food for like an hour and the food will still suck, but they will seat you. Um, we only took one photo that day. It was a picture of me and Lily and Jovi eating our ice cream with the tarp-covered baseball field in the background. And in the photo, Jovi, with her little bandaged fingers, is smiling from ear to ear. And it's a great photo. My wife framed it and gave it to me for Father's Day, and I keep it um, on my desk at work. And uh, earlier this year, I was kind of looking at it, and I'm like, you know, that photo was a lie. It's like, those big smiles, that was the worst day ever. So I was asking Jovi, I was like, Jovi, what do you remember about this day? And she's like, we had so much fun. And I'm thinking to myself, really? Like, six hours in the car, rain all day, three traumatic injuries, literally no baseball. And I said, Jovi, what was fun about it? She's like, well... I got to go to the Philly Stadium, and we got to have ice cream. And I was like, what else do you remember about it? And she's like, I don't know. And that memory, or loss of memory, thank you, concussion, for my wife and I, was a real gift. Thank you. Our final story on this month's podcast comes from Mina Edmondson. 
Mina told the story of a very special guest for her teenage daughter's birthday sleepover. I want to share first that if I seem a little emotional this evening, it's because I've been in mourning since I've heard of the passing recently of Sean Connery. It was soon to be my daughter's 13th birthday, and I asked her, what do you want for your birthday? And she said she wanted to have a sleepover with her girlfriends at my house. And I thought, okay, we can do this. What do you want the theme to be? And she kind of looked at me and rolled her eyes and huffed, as only a 13-year-old can do, and said, the Backstreet Boys, of course, and I should have known. I said, well, you're going to have to decorate, because I have no idea how to decorate for a Backstreet Boy party. And she agreed. She thought that would be wonderful, and she also agreed she'd clean up after the party. Well, the day of the party came, and she had plastered the walls in my living room with pictures of the Backstreet Boys. There were album covers, and there were them dancing in their shows, and there was pictures of uh, Brian and Kevin, a couple of each of them. There was a few pictures of Nick, quite a few pictures of Howie, but the major pictures on the wall were AJ. AJ was her very favorite. Well, the girls began arriving for the party, and that was the first thing they noticed was the wall full of pictures. And they were chattering and looking at the pictures. And I had already gone through the time with the parents on the phone, because these girls were from Kinnerdale, and several of them had never been in the city before, meaning York City. Well, I had to assure their parents that I would keep them safe. I promised I wasn't going to put them out on the street corner for a couple of hours or anything through the night. But after their parents dropped them off and they saw the wall and they were all excited, I said, well, now we're going to go to dinner and we're going to walk downtown to Marcello's, my daughter's favorite place to get pizza in town. So as they start down the steps, I say, oh, wait a minute, I forgot my wallet, I'll be right back. And I ran into my office, and I grabbed one of the pictures off of my wall, and I substituted it for one of the pictures on the wall, the gallery wall in my living room, just wondering how long it would take the girls to notice. Well, we go to Marcello's, and they're eating pizza, and they're swigging Mountain Dew. So by the time we left there, they were as giddy as you could possibly be. And we're walking back up the street. We go to Cross Duke, and everything was fine until the light at the crosswalk started blinking. You know, halfway through, it starts blinking. And one of the girls just stopped in her tracks and started crying because she didn't know what to do when the light links at the crosswalk. We just sort of shoved her across the street and we said, you keep walking. You don't stop in the middle of the road. So we get back to the house and they begin the party for real. They crank up the music and they're dancing and singing and they have the lights turned down low a little bit. And I head to the back of the house and I call my friend and I say, okay, it's time. Now my friend young Puerto Rican guy, and he could look like Mark Anthony on one of his good days, or he could look like AJ on one of his bad days, you know? So 
He comes in and he had nailed AJ that night. The sunglasses, the big earrings, the Fu Manchu, the ne necklace, the huge cross hanging around his neck, and a jacket. And I said, come on. And we go to the front of the house. And I open the door to the living room and I say, Lethia, you have another friend here for your party. And everybody kind of looks up like, who? And in walks AJ. Those girls started screaming and yelling and hollering. I mean, if the wind was blowing the right way, you could have heard them all the way in Spring Grove. They were that loud. They were so excited. And AJ announced he could only stay for a few minutes because he had to catch the tour bus when it went back around the block. And he kissed my daughter on the cheek and he kissed each of the girls on the hand as he was getting a picture with them. And he left. Well, they were so excited. They were just through the roof. They were all over the place. And I didn't think they would ever begin to settle down. And through all of that, they never noticed the picture that I had changed on the wall in the gallery. And as my daughter, they finally settled and she started opening her presents for the evening. Behind her left shoulder in every single picture was the photograph of this older, distinguished gentleman sitting by the pool, wearing a white cabana robe, laid back, his ankles crossed, staring at the camera. And that picture was of the inimitable Sean Connery. Thank you. We'd like to extend huge thanks to KBG Injury Law for sponsoring this year's Grand Slam. The themes for our 2021 season have already been announced on our website, yorkstoryslam.com. So take a look and plan to join us in January and all year long. While you're there, you can sign up for our monthly newsletter. You can also follow us on Twitter at York Story Slam, as well as on Facebook, and watch videos of all the stories from our events on our YouTube channel. We hope to see you on stage soon. Thanks for listening. This Story Slam podcast is produced by Carla Wilson of Wilson Media Services. Theme music composed and performed by David Wilson. You can learn more at wilsonmediaservices.com.